Beautiful. That's what comes to mind when we think about our human design and we're progressively exposed to the perfection of God's original design. Our lives begin to reflect that beauty. Your life is His design and His design is beautiful. Thank you for engaging with us as we are about to be further exposed to the beauty of His design as we look into the world to see Jesus. Try as much as possible to be very focused because um, whenever you, whenever God wants you to know that something is possible, He first introduces it to your mind. You see, anything that has not yet been introduced to your mind cannot exist. Um, the, the, the likelihood of its existence is very, very minimal or very little simply because it has not yet been introduced to your mind yet. So when God wants to begin to help your life, the first thing that he does is to begin to introduce some thoughts and ideas to your mind. Um, God doesn't help you by first giving you money. God doesn't help you by first giving you a car. God doesn't help you by first giving you a job. The way God helps you is by installing the right way of thinking into your mind. And I must tell you, there is a right way of thinking. You know, I shared about two or three Sundays ago during um, the pre-service prayer that, you know, it's very amazing that everything else seems to be precise. You know, I mean, there is night and there is day. It's been that way since the day you were born. All right? The, 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 is, the sun rises, it's been that way. Rain falls, it's been that way. You know, um, there's been certain consistent things, all right, in the world that you live in. Very consistent. In a particular season of the year, the rain falls. At least, the rain falls at least once a year. These things are pretty consistent. But when it comes to your faith in Jesus, then Satan now begins to introduce uh, probabilities introduce um, um, what is maybe this and that and that you know and all of those things are really distractions really God has ordained that your life will go in an upward um, fashion upward forward fashion and these are some of the things that I want to be sharing with you tonight alright so tonight's episode is beloved nation I so love this teaching episode tonight, Beloved Nation, Beloved Nation, Beloved Nation, okay? In this conversation, I'm going to just be sharing with you from my heart some of the things that are characteristics or some of the things that are consistent with our nation, some of the things that are consistent with our nation, with where we come from, okay? And I'm going to be sharing with you some very precious conversations tonight and i promise you you are going to be very blessed you are going to be very very blessed all right so genesis chapter number 12 and verse 1 genesis 12 and verse 1. Genesis 12 and verse 1. Alright, so scripture says in Genesis chapter number 12 and verse 1, speaking about Abraham, scripture says, and I'm reading from the NIV, then I'll read from the NLT, then I'll probably read from the King James Version. Alright, so from the NIV it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, from your people, and your father's household to a land that I'm going to show you. Alright, the NLT says, the Lord says to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. Um, the King James says, now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of your country, and from your kindred, and from your father's house, 
unto a land that I will show you. Now, whilst this is not, um, it is not, um, it is not literal, all right, in our case, we're not asking you to leave your father's house, okay, it's not literal. In Abraham's case, it was literal, all right, it was get up and get out. But in our case, it is not literal, like get out of your father's house, but it is more like get out of the thinking, get out of the mentality, get out of the thoughts, of the thinking, all right, of your environment. Please pay attention to this because this is very important. All right, the conversation that God first begins to speak to Abraham and say, you know what, I want you to get up and get out of your father's, get out of your country, get out from your kindred, get out from your father's house. In other words, get out from the way of thinking, get out from the mentality, get out from the, the, your attachment to the way things are done in your nation, get out from the, 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 the way you believe that you were groomed or raised or um, um, brought up to believe that things ought to go. All right, get out of that way of thinking and go to a land that I will show you. Now, when we look further in Scripture, and I'll just, I'll take it slowly, okay? When we look further in Scripture, in scripture you're going to find that that land that God was telling Abraham to live was actually the land that he also mentioned to the children of Israel that I'm going to take you to, which is the promised land. But there is a far greater um, 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 symbolism of that conversation that we have in, in what we believe in Christ today. But I want to take you from this and then take you all the way into the narrative and the conversation. So first, God is saying to Abraham, I want you to live. I want you to leave where you are. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your way of thinking. I want you to, in, in other words, I want you to be detached from your country. I want you to be detached from the mentality of your country. I want you to be detached from the mindsets of your people. I want you to be detached from the mindset that you are that you are that you were raised in or that you've been accustomed with or that you are used to. It's called the mindset of the earth. I want you to get out of one country, get out of your father's country, get out of your father's house, get out of the land of your nativity where the thoughts and the ideologies are consistent with a particular way of thinking, where the, the, the expectations are similar, all right, and where the visions and the dreams are almost the same, all right, and get into a land that I will show you. Definitely, if I'm taking you into a new land, then it means that I'm also taking you into a new culture, then I'm also taking you into a new way of thinking. Then I'm also taking you into a new way of perception. Alright, so get out of your country. Get out of that thing that you're used to. And get into a land that I'm going to show you. Why? Why? Because if you don't get out, alright, your message, your expectations, your narratives will be colored by your background. Your narrative is going to be colored by your background. Your expectations will be shadowed by your background. Your, your disposition will be colored by your background. The way you see, the things you see will be colored by your background. And let me dare say this today, that that instruction that God gave to Abraham is actually still very available to us today. In fact, a lot more available to us than probably what Abraham went through or what Abraham experienced. Why? Because we are dealing with a lot of, a lot of cultural inconsistencies. And we are dealing with a lot of cultural baggages. And people are dealing with a lot of ideologies. And, you know, w when you look at the way that we are today, 
alright, there is nothing that can be more true, alright, that God wants to do in your life today than to separate you from the system, than to separate you from the prevailing language, than to separate you from the prevailing mindset, than to separate you from the prevailing culture that is in your environment, than to separate you from the language of your environment, than to separate you from the, from the systems of this world and the systems that are, that are so, um, what's the word? They are so... Um, um, what word? They're so addictive. Yeah, that's the word. The system that we are used to today are so addictive. All right. And, and, and let me say this. That's the reason why we go to church. That's the reason why we spend time to pray. And that's the reason why some people won't come to church. And that's the reason why some people won't spend time to pray. You see, every time that we spend in the presence of God and in fellowship with other believers and um, in, in prayer is detaching us from the systems of this world. I'll give you an example. How does your, how does your country think? How, when I say country, I'm not talking literally. I'm talking figuratively. How does your country think? How do they behave in the environment of your cultivation? How do they behave in the environment where you grew up? How do they behave? How do they see things? I'll give you an example. So in the environment where you grew up, all right, people are accustomed with herding resources. People are accustomed with hoarding money. For example, people are never generous with the money because there's always that scarcity in the environment. We don't know where the next thing is going to come from. We don't know where the next meal is going to come from. We don't know how we're going to get by. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, people have been, people who are accustomed with that kind of thinking and people who are cultivated and cultured in that way of thinking will always think from scarcity to another scarcity. They'll always think from lack to lack. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me give you another example. In your environment and in your culture, people follow what is prevailing. People follow what is trending. People follow what every other person is doing. All right, there's no time to say, Lord, what will you have me do? It's more about, you know what, what is prevailing in the environment? What's the predominant thoughts? Where is it? What direction is everybody going? And so that determines where I should go. So every day in your daily life, God is also saying to you, get out of the way of thinking of this world. For Abraham, it was get out of your country, get out of the system, get out of the way of the language, get out of your father's house. Obviously, every house has a modus operandi. Every house has, has, a, has a culture. Every house has a, has, um, what's it called? The thing that is consistent with them. And God said, you know what? Leave your father's house. Get out of the way of thinking. All right? And today I dare say, and I know that I have utterance in the name of Jesus. Today I dare say, that is the same narrative that is on the table. That is the same invitation that God is making to you today. Get up and get out. Get up and get out. Get out of the scarcity thinking. Get out of the scarcity mentality. Get out of the, of the, of the, Payback mentality. You do me, I do you. You know, get out of that mentality. Get out of that, um, um, lack mentality, that lack way of thinking. Alright? Get out of that sin consciousness way of thinking. Do you understand? Get out of that sin ideology that you have always enthroned. Get out of that, I am not worthy enough kind of thinking, alright, and listen, listen to me, some of you might say, well, it's so difficult, you know, we did, I am not from here, alright, we did, I'm a pilgrim, and some of you might think, oh, it is so difficult, oh, it is so difficult not to think like the environment where you're in, do you understand, it is so difficult not to think like the, like the kind, the culture that you've been raised in, can you imagine a child, listen to me, imagine a child was born in a particular culture, has lived 25 years, in that culture, how do you expect that that child is just going to automatically detach from that culture? For example, you've been born into a place where you've seen people die. You've seen people die of particular sicknesses. Or you've been born into a place where you've seen people um, who got sick, alright, and they died. How is it going to be possible for you to get 
out of that culture and begin to believe that divine healing and health is possible. That the supernatural working power of God can rest upon a man's body and bring wholeness and health to their body. How is it going to be possible? Well, you know, let me tell you, it's not supposed to be easy. And that's the reason why, for example, we're going to be praying on Friday, alright? That's the reason why you're supposed to take advantage of every opportunity that presents itself to further remove you from the system, to further remove you from the culture, to further remove you from the way of thinking. Every opportunity that, that, that avails itself. For example, you have the opportunity to be in church and to hear God's word. That's an opportunity to go further away from the system. Alright? You have the opportunity to come into church and spend time in fellowship and in prayer. Four hours, five hours. That's you coming into a place where you can be further removed from the culture. Further removed because, I, yes, it is true that it may not be easy to just simply detach like that. For example, you've seen people die of cancer. How will it be easy for you to believe that God heals cancer if you have not soaked yourself in the atmosphere or in the environment where those conversations are prevalent. Now let me ask you a question. Check your daily interactions and check your daily conversations. How many times do you get on the bus and hear the conductor saying that the miraculous is possible? What you see around you even if you are not living in Nigeria and you're living outside of Nigeria I don't care wherever it is you're living on the planet so long as you're on this earth so long as you're on this earth because somebody's going to come and say, well, that's only consistent with Nigeria. I mean, I, I just need you to shut up for a bit and just listen to me. The last time I checked, somebody still died of brain tumor in Canada. The last time I checked, somebody still died of breast cancer in Italy. The last time I checked, somebody still died of, 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 um, of um, you know, kidney failure, all right, in Denmark. Do you understand? The last time I checked, somebody still got involved in an accident and died in the United States of America. So shut up for a bit and just listen for one moment. You are not meant to be attached to any system in this world. Whether it is Nigeria, whether it is Canada, whether it is Denmark, whether it is USA, you are not designed to be attached to any system that is in this world. Now let me tell you something that you may not understand. When the earth was cursed, it wasn't just Nigeria that was cursed. It was the earth. This earth, it doesn't matter what nation it is. This earth is, is operating under a curse. I want you to just please listen to me. This earth is operating under a curse. All of the systems of this earth is operating under a curse. I am yet to see that one nation that has unanimously surrendered their nation to the Lordship of Jesus. There's not one. There's no one nation that has said, Jesus is the Lord of our nation. Not one. Do you know the only institution that has done that in the world today? It is the church. The church of Jesus has the head of the church as Jesus himself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And let me say this very clearly. Listen, that the church is the only true entity that is separated from the curse. The church is the only true institution that is separated from the curse. Every other system in this world, listen, are under, they are operating under a curse. But the church of Jesus, and I'm going somewhere with this conversation, the church of Jesus is separated from the curse. But guess what the situation is? Because somebody's going to ask me, but P.O.D., people in church are still getting sick. People in church are still getting broke. Well, I say this. People are in church, alright? But they are running with the mentality of the systems of this world. So people are in church, but they are running with the mindset of this world. People are in church, but many times... The conversations in church do not follow them into society. So people are in church, but they are running with the operating system of this world. How do we know? Whenever they hear, you know, something terrible happening in the world, they always believe that it's going to happen to them. 
Have you not heard scripture says that you are in this world, but you are not of this world? So God's conversation to Abraham was get up and get out of the mentality of your father's house. Get out of your country. Get out of the system of thinking and get to a land that I'm going to show you. Now, um, um, literally, Abraham was supposed to move into another land. But guess what? This land that he was going to was going to be governed by a different set of conversations. It was going to be governed by a different set of rules. It was going to be governed by a different kind of mindset. And guess what? It was a land that was going to be governed by God's provision of milk and honey. Now, God did not say that the milk and honey is going to come out in trickles. God never said that the milk and honey is going to come out just enough. The Bible says that that land was flowing, meaning it was a non-stop flowing of milk and honey. So, um, Abraham needed to unlearn the culture of scarcity and embrace the culture of abundance. Abraham needed to unlearn the culture of lack and embrace the culture of much. Abraham needed to unlearn the culture of barrenness and embrace the culture of fruitfulness. That's why I said get up and get out. You know why? Because your life is only going to be your life is only going to reflect the operating system that is running in your heart. Your life is going to reflect the operating system that is running in your heart. So, if the operating system of your heart is tied to this world, alright, tied to what is consistent in this world. For example, you, you be around Christian people and they are talking about generosity. But the operating system of your heart is tied to the scarcity that is in the world. Guess what? Whilst everybody around you is experiencing abundance, you're going to be experiencing scarcity. Why? Because your heart is tied to the operating system of this world. So let's look at that scripture again, and I want to be fast now. It says, get out of your country. The Lord said to Abraham, get out of your country. From your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I mean, it seems very far-fetched, right? Until you now begin to see what land was this. I'll show you a few things in a moment. Alright? Let's look at Hebrews 11 verse 9 and 10. Hebrews 11, verse 9 and 10. The Bible says, By faith he's made, he made his home in the land, in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. You see, everything that Abraham is, is everything that is consistent with Abraham's here, is actually supposed to be consistent with us. He says, get out of your father's house. Get out of the system of this world. That's the same way God is telling you today. Get out of the system of this world. Get out of the scarcity in this world. Get out of thinking that everybody is going to be sick one day and die. Get out of that. Get out of thinking that everybody has to go through little then come into abundance. Get out of that. Get out of that system that says everybody has to fail first before they begin to succeed. It's a programming my friend, it's a programming. The culture of this world has programmed you to first fail before you succeed. You, you, listen, if you are cultivated to never um, see anything fail, I'm telling you, it's going to be a shock to you the first time that you see something fail. In the kingdom where we come from, if something were to fail, if, if power were to go off for one day in, in our beloved nation... It's going to be a surprise. You know, God is going to call the angels and say, what's going on? What's happening? It's going to be a huge surprise. But you know why we can never expect the power to ever go out? Because Jesus himself is the light in that nation. Jesus himself is the light of that nation. Jesus himself is the light of that city. And until Jesus is out of power supply, that's when we can expect the nation itself to be dark. But thanks be to God, Jesus is our light. He's the light of that nation. Glory to God. 
All right. So God said to this guy, he said, get out of this way of thinking. Get out of your father's house. And he says, go to a land that I'm going to show you. Now, let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. Look at that. He says, by faith, Abraham made his home in the promised land. Like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as Isaac, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Look at verse 10. It says, for he was looking for the city with foundations. He was looking for the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. All right? Abraham was looking for a city whose architect and builder is God. I know I've talked about this for a bit, but I'm going to teach on this a little bit more today. And then I'm going to go right into um, some of the other things that I have to share with you. He says, this guy was, he left his father's country. He left his father's house and he moved out looking. Listen, let me ask you a question. Who told Abraham to get out of his father's house? God did. Who told him to leave his country? God did. Who told him to leave the city? God did. And God was indirectly telling him, leave the mentality of your nation behind. Leave the language of your nation behind. Alright, the language might include sparsity. It might include lack. But it says, leave it behind. And come to a city that I'm going to show you. So when Abraham was following that instruction, the Bible says he was actually looking for the city that God was going to show him. So it was not just a land flowing with milk and honey. Alright? It was a city whose, that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Now let's look at some more characteristics of this city. Psalm 50 and verse 2. Psalm 50 and verse 2. The book of Psalm, chapter number 50, and verse 2. Look at what it says. Look at the city that Abraham was looking for. The Bible says, from Zion, I'm reading from the NIV. From Zion, this city is perfect in beauty. It is from this city that God shines forth. Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. So listen, everyone from this city... Is cultivated or cultured in the idea of perfection. Everyone from this city is cultivated in the idea of the beauty that comes from perfection. Follow me. Now, this beauty that comes from perfection is not the perfection that comes from you. It's the perfection that comes from the architect of the city himself. Which is God himself. God himself is perfect in beauty. And everyone from this city begins to receive the very same perfection that the Father has. The very same beauty in perfection that the Father has. And that's you and I. Oh, glory to God. He says from Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. So, Abraham was looking for a nation with foundation whose builder and architect is God. Now, the Psalms, David is speaking and he's giving us a further um, description of this city. He says this city is called Zion. And out of this city, there is what we call perfection in beauty. Now listen, you see this mentality of perfection in beauty, you will never find it in any other city. You will never find it anywhere else. Oh, there's something I want to say. And I know that I have the utterance to say it in the name of Jesus. This idea of perfection in beauty, you're not going to find it anywhere else. You're only going to find it in Zion. Now, the question is, let me ask you a question. So now the question is, is it possible for something to move perfectly and smoothly? Yes, it is. Is it possible that a person's finances will go perfectly and smoothly. Yes, it is. Is it possible that a person's business can go perfectly and smoothly? Yes, it is. The reason why you're going to be struggling with that idea is because you are tied to a place where things are not perfect. 
You are tied to a place where we don't know how the outcome of something is going to be. You are tied to that place. But if you detach yourself from that addiction and you come to another place where you have heard that something can be perfect in beauty and you attach yourself to that way of thinking, then that's what's going to be produced in your life. Now let me tell you, it gives us a, a good definition of what church is meant to be now. So church is not a religious house. Church is not a place where people practice their religion. No. Church is not a place where people practice and demonstrate religiosity. No. Church is a place where people behold the way God designed for a thing to be. And they reflect it. They look upon it. They look upon it. They look at it. They gaze on it. They meditate on it. They pray it out until those things become a reality in their lives. So, for example, when we invite you to come and have when we invite you to pray in your house, it is that we are inviting you to further align yourself with the perfection of beauty as against aligning yourself with the system of the world where things don't work. When we ask you to spend time in the place of prayer, we are saying that, listen, your life is meant to go in a perfect way. It is possible that your life is going to go perfectly without any hitches and without any hindrances. It is possible. Now, you may say, it is not possible. Well, no, 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 no. That can never be possible. It is not possible. How do we expect that that can happen? It is not possible. Well, I say, I ask you a question. What nation do you belong to? What culture have you been listening to? What voice have you been listening to? Did you not hear that from Zion, things are perfect in beauty? Did you not hear that it is out of Zion that God shines forth? Don't you know we're about to celebrate Easter in a couple of days from now? Don't you understand what Easter means? Don't you understand why Jesus came? All this talk about Jesus coming and becoming a baby and becoming flesh and dying on the cross. Don't you understand what he was meant to produce? He was meant to catapult you from your country. From the, from, the, from the nation where you are and take you into a place where you are now one with perfection, where you are now one with the, the God of Zion himself. Don't you understand? So every time you find yourself struggling with this idea of perfection in beauty, it means that you're still very locked on how things are going in the earth. Let me ask you a question. If you get to heaven today, are you going to see something fail? No, no, no. So, it's a challenge to you. You see, now, oh boy, I thank you, Lord, this night. It's a challenge to you. When you get to heaven, are you going to see things fail? Are you going to see things destroyed? Now, the other question is, why do you think you have to wait to get to heaven for these things to become a reality in your life? Do you think that Jesus came, paid his price on the cross, just so that you can wait to get to heaven before you experience the perfection in beauty? That's not true. That's not true. So, it is possible that your life is going to go in an upward, forward format from now till Jesus comes. This is the very reason why you should spend time attaching yourself to truth. Why you should spend time attaching yourself with the mindset of Zion. Why you should spend time. I mean, the best place you want to be is a place where other believers are praying. The best place you want to be is a place where other believers are studying God's word. Now, P.O.D., are you saying that we're not going to have a life? Of course not. But what I'm saying is that you're going to immerse yourself in these realities that Jesus has made available. Let's look at that scripture again and then I'll go to something else. Look at that scripture again. I want to read it from, from other translations. Psalm 50 and verse 2. It says, from Zion, perfect in beauty, God shines forth. 
The New Living Translation says, From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. Now, the question I want to ask you is, do you think that God is asking, what is going on in that other nation? No, God is not asking. He is shining forth from Zion. He is, he is displaying what is meant to be possible in Zion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? From Mount Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines in glorious radiance. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Now listen, if God is shining forth out of Zion, and a person plugs themselves to the mentality of Zion, then it means that they are also going to experience the same perfection in beauty. And they are also going to be able to experience the very shining forth. So, we are from a beloved nation called Zion. We are from a beloved nation called Zion. Abraham said that this nation has its builder and its architect as God himself. The builder and the architect of our nation is God himself. So let me, let me ask you, do you think that God in building this nation is going to put a little sickness somewhere? Or is going to put a little stumbling somewhere? Or it's going to put a little rising and falling somewhere. Or it's going to put a little failure somewhere. You know, just so that everybody, you know, um, understands that it's normal. Do you think you're going to ever stand around, hang around the Father and hear Him say to you, it's normal for us to fail sometimes. <laughs> it's normal for us, to, for us to make mistakes sometimes. It's normal for things to go wrong sometimes. It's normal for our lives to experience ups and downs sometimes. You've got to be careful whose ears, whose, whose voice you're giving your ears to. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. So everything that is connected to Zion is meant to experience perfection in beauty. Why is that very difficult to believe? Because of cultivation. Because of your culture. Because of the things that you've been raised to believe. Because of the things that you've been raised to experience. Because of the things that you are being taught to accept as normal. So every day, the believer is supposed to be detaching themselves from the environment where they live and attaching themselves to the mind of God. Attaching themselves to what God says is possible. See, let me tell you. Listen to me, church. This has got nothing to do with playing church. This has got nothing to do with, you know, just having a religion. This has got everything to do with having God's influence rub off on your mind until it becomes a reality in your life. So don't be one of those people who just go to church just for the sake of marking attendance or just for the sake of, you know, pleasing God and saying, Lord, you know, I never miss church. That's not the idea. Is there any nation, is there any idea in the world that tells you that something can be perfect in beauty? There are still sick people in, in some of the so-called developed nations. And the scientists and the, and the medical people don't have an answer to those sicknesses. There are still people who are dying of terrible ailments and nobody has an answer to it. People are still dying in the best of those nations. People are still dying of heart failure. You know, I, every time I hear that somebody had, an, had um, a heart attack and died, I wonder, with this much advancement, I'm not talking about in Nigeria, I'm talking about in the USA, I'm talking about in Canada, I'm talking about in all of those nations. Somebody had a heart attack and died. And the person actually died. Like they wheeled the person into the mortuary. 
I'm like, what's going on here? I thought you guys said that you guys are very advanced in science and technology. I thought you guys said that you could do amazing wonders with all of your stuff. But guess what? The reason why those things will still happen is because that's not Zion. That's not Zion. That's not Zion. Zion is perfect in beauty. And I dare say that everyone who attaches themselves to the mindset of Zion is going to experience the same perfection in beauty. So let me show you some of the characteristics of our beloved nation. I'll show you just a few of them. I can't show you a lot of them. I'll show you just a few of them. Number one, write this down, please. So, first of all, let me explain what the beloved nation is. The beloved nation is the city of the living God. It is the place where God dwells himself. It is, you know, um, um, the, the, new, the, the epistles, you would hear Paul writing and saying that, a certain tribe of people in Ephesians chapter number 6, I believe, talked about accepted in the beloved. Look, this Zion is the beloved nation. It is the beloved nation where we all are citizens. In the beginning of this series, I, I talked about citizenship. Our citizenship is from heaven. Our citizenship is from above. Alright, so this is our nation. It is the beloved nation. And I'll tell you some characteristics of this beloved nation. Now listen, if you find yourself doubting anything that we are saying today, you find yourself finding it hard to believe what is being shared today. Well, that's the reason why you need to spend some more time in the place of prayer. Your life is meant to reflect the beauty of Zion. Your life is meant to reflect. Listen, if you don't take anything, take this. Your life is meant to reflect the consistency and the progression of Zion. Your life is meant to reflect the consistency, the stability of our Father God. God is so consistent. He's so stable. And if nothing else, your life is meant to reflect that perfection in beauty. Alright, so I want you to write this down. The beloved nation is a nation of kings. Write that down. The beloved nation is a nation of kings. Alright, let's look at... Let's look at Genesis chapter number 17. Verses 15 and 16. Genesis 17. 15 and 16. Genesis 17, 15 to 16, glory to God. Look at what it says here. I love this. It says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarah, but Sarah shall her name be. Verse 16. Listen. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be the mother of nations. Look at this. Kings of people shall come from her. The beloved nation is a nation of kings. It says, kings of people shall come from her. Let's look at that again. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. And she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. That's kings of nations shall come from her. Now, some of you might be wondering, Well, am I from Sarah? Am I really from Sarah? I mean, the last time I checked, I thought that I was from Obololulu in some local government. Am I really from Sarah? Let me show you another scripture. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter number 51. Isaiah, chapter number 51. From verse 1 and 
Isaiah 51 from verse 1 to 2. Look at what it says. It says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from where you were caught. Verse 2. It says, look to Abraham, your father. Oh, okay. And to Sarah, who gave birth to who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man. And I blessed him and made him many. Remember the first text that we read. We said it said that kings shall come out of her. Now he says, Look to the rock from where you were caught. Look to, to Abraham, your father. Look to Sarah, your mother. Alright, now listen. Some of you have been singing, Abraham's blessings are mine. And then when it comes to the understanding of what powered Abraham, if you say Abraham's blessings are mine, you have to start with the fact that Abraham was detached from his country. Abraham was detached from the prevailing mindset in his society. Abraham was attached to God's mind. That's number one. Then number two, you are born, it's a nation of kings. Sarah was to give birth to kings. And now we, we see in Isaiah 51 that look to the rock from where you were cut. Look to Abraham. Look to Sarah who gave birth to you. Now, if that is not enough, let's take you to the new covenant so that you can see some scripture there. Galatians. The book of Galatians chapter number 4. From verse 21 to 31. It's quite a long read, but we'll do it very quickly. Galatians chapter number 4. Now, I want you to follow this conversation very closely. I want you to follow it very closely. And you would now see the beauty of what we are talking about. Follow it very closely. You're going to see something now in a moment. I want to get the King James, the King James Version. Okay, we can use this one. It says, tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written, Abraham had two sons. Please follow the narrative. The one by a bond woman and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bond woman was born according to the flesh. See, according to the senses. Always following what is going on in the environment. He says, but he who was born according to the bond woman was born according to the flesh. And he of the free, of the free woman was born through the promise. So, it's talking about Hagar and Sarah. Hagar gave birth to, um, what's his name, Ishmael. And then Sarah gave birth to Isaac. And he's saying one is of the bond woman. The other one is of the free. Alright, let's continue. It says, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. And corresponds to Jerusalem. Which now is and is in bondage with her children. Oh, look at verse 26. It says, but the Jerusalem... Above is free. It says there is a Jerusalem of the earth that is connected to Mount Sinai. It says but that is in bondage. You see that? Oh boy. May I have time to talk about this bondage. Bondage to sickness. Bondage to scarcity. Bondage to disease. Bondage to infirmity. It says but the Jerusalem that is from above is free. And it says she is the mother of us all. Look at verse 26. The Jerusalem from above is free. Which is the mother of us all. It says, for it is reading, verse 27. Rejoice, O barren, you who did not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are, who are not in labor. For the desolate has more children than she who has a husband. We're speaking about um, Sarah, you know, finally giving birth. Alright, to many more children than Hagar, who first gave birth in the first place. But continue, verse 28, it says, Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of the promise. You see, now it's talking about both the natural and the spiritual. So Isaac is of Sarah, the natural, the promise. We, 
Sarah, the spiritual, same of the promise. Glory to God. But now, brethren, as Isaac was to Sarah, we are also children of the promise. Verse 29. But as he, as, as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does scripture say? Look at what it says. Cast out the bond woman and her son. For the son of the bond woman shall not be heir with the son of the free. Oh, glory to God. Listen, look at verse 31 now. It says, so then, brethren, we are not children of the bond woman, but we are children of the free. I don't know if any of you understand what is being talked about here. We are not children of the bond woman, but we are children of the free. So listen, let me, let me calm down and explain this. Because I know I'm running ahead of myself. But let me calm down and explain this. What he's saying, alright, I, I shared with you that the beloved nation is a nation of kings. Then I showed you Genesis 17, how that Sarah was the mother of kings. Then I showed you Isaiah 51, that we were born of, of a spiritual Sarah. Now let me tell you, how many of you understand that the word Sarah is actually the, the, the Hebrew word for grace? You see, so what you are seeing, and I'll, I'll probably show this on Sunday. What you are seeing in scripture is actually the natural of what happened with us. Sarah's name was first Sarah. That's Sarah. Then when Abraham's name was changed from Abraham to Abraham, Sarah's name was changed from Sarah to, from Sarai to Sarah. The two names, grace was added to the two names. I don't have the time to show you this in the, in the Hebrew. But grace was added to the two names. So what Sarah could not do under the law, she became able to do when grace was added to her name. Alright, so the, the, the word Sarah is actually the Hebrew word for grace. Alright, now here's what, what he's saying here. That the natural Sarah gave birth to Isaac. The spiritual Sarah, which is grace, gave birth to us who are children of promise. Now he's also saying that the, the child of Hagar, which is Ishmael, contended with the child of um, Sarah, which is Isaac. Now the Bible says that Hagar was, um, Ishmael was born out of the flesh. How? Out of Abraham's inordinate passion. Out of his attempt to help God. Um, Ishmael was born. Sarah gave birth to Isaac by the promise. That is, Abraham did not help God. God fulfilled his promise all by himself. And gave birth to Isaac. Now, we can either be children of the flesh... In the sense that we're always trying to help God to be happy with us. We're always trying to help God to be pleased with us. We're always trying to help God, you know, to be satisfied with us. Alright? But guess what? There is another, which is that which was born of Sarah, of grace. Which is that we're no longer trying to help God. We're like the Isaac who came according to God's promise. We also have come according to God's promise. God promised that he was going to send his son. God promised that he was going to crush his son. God promised that he was going to raise his son. And God promised that he was going to give birth to us. And guess what? None of those things included you. You're the child of God's promise. You're the child of God's promise. You're the children. You're the children of the free woman. You're the children of grace. I'm probably going to teach this more on Sunday. But you're the child of grace. You're born of the free. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then scripture now says that this Sarah in the natural gave birth to kings. But this grace in the spiritual also gives birth to kings. Hallelujah. This grace, the grace of God, Jesus, 
also produces kings. I have said, you are kings and you are priests unto our God. That's what God calls us. Revelation chapter number 5 and verse 10. You are all kings and priests unto God. So, um, number one, the beloved nation is a nation of kings. The beloved nation is a nation of kings. I don't know how much you're getting this, but I believe that you're getting it anyway. Write this down, number two. Number two. The beloved nation is the nation where the ungodly is justified freely by God's grace. Number two, write it down. The beloved nation is the nation where the ungodly is justified freely by God's amazing grace. Romans chapter number 4 and verse 5. It says, however, Romans 4, 5. It says, however, to the one who does not work, but trust God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited for righteousness. The one who does not work, but trust in God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited for righteousness. So the beloved nation is a nation where the ungodly is justified freely by God's grace. That's the beloved nation. And if you are part of the beloved nation, even though you are ungodly, God has justified you freely by His grace. I want to rush now. Number three. The beloved nation is a nation of rest. <laughs> the beloved nation is a nation of rest. Let's look at Hebrews 4 and verse 1. Hebrews 4 and verse 1. The beloved nation is a nation of rest. The nation of rest. Hebrews 4 and verse 1. So those who come into this beloved nation, write this down. Write this down, please. Everyone who comes into the beloved nation, they have come into a place where they are seized from all their labors. Now write this down, please. Very important. Everyone who comes into the beloved nation has ceased from all their labors. Now look at this. Look at this. Hebrews 4. I'm reading from verse 1, the King James. It says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering him into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he has said, I have sworn in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now listen. It says, We who do believe, do enter into rest. But they who do not believe, will not enter his rest. Listen. Even though the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. Pause and pay attention to that. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. That which was required. That which was necessary. For your healing. For your redemption. For your salvation. For your deliverance. For your progress. For your multiplication. Was finished from the foundations of the world. But guess what? The reason why many do not enter into it. Is because of unbelief. What is the reason for unbelief? There is a rest that God has produced for us. A rest that is consistent with our beloved nation. Why is it that many people don't enter into that rest? Because of unbelief. Where does this unbelief come from? From being connected to the country. From being connected to the system of the world. From being connected to your environment. And that's why God said to Abraham, get out of that country. If you continue to stay there, you're going to be, you're going to think 
that you are from there. Or you're going to think that your results in life is supposed to be consistent from your country. No. Your results in life is supposed to be consistent with what Zion says is possible. So when we say, I am not from here, we actually know what we're talking about. We know what we're talking about. I said we know what we're talking about. Now, somebody might say, well, P.O.D., I'm telling you, this looks very tough. It looks very tough. How do I detach myself from this mindset of this world? Everything is trying to get my attention. There seems to be no rest for me. How do I detach myself from it? Well, that's why we spend a long time praying in the Holy Ghost. That's why we actually spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. That's why we spend time to clear our eyes very well. That's why we spend time to clear our minds very well. That's why we spend time to declutter our minds. We pray in the Holy Ghost. We look at what scripture has said concerning us. And we spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? We spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. That's how we make progress in our nation. So if anything that I have said seems to be difficult for you to grapple, or seems to be difficult for you to understand, well, that's the reason why you've got to come around on Friday. And let's pray this thing in. You're supposed to be at rest. Yes. You're supposed to be making progress. Yes. You're supposed to be moving forward. Yes, you're supposed to be experiencing ease in your life. Yes, you're supposed to be experiencing prosperity in every area of your life. Yes, you're supposed to be experiencing beauty in every area of your life. That's the reason why you must appreciate every opportunity to, to stay far removed from this culture of this world. To stay far removed from the failures. To stay far removed from the weaknesses. To stay far removed from the conversations of earth. That is so limiting. So, so, um, it's almost like you're put in a box. And I tell you, that's why I want to invite you on Friday. I want to invite you on Good Friday. You've got to pray this thing out. You've got to spend time to pray. You've got to spend time to declare these words. You've got to declare them with your mouth. I am not of this world. I am not of this world. My life is not consistent with that which is consistent in this world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You've got to expect that you are born a king. And this, our nation, is a nation of royalty. You're born into the experience of rest. You're born into the experience of rest. You're born into a nation where God justifies the ungodly. Now let me tell you. I want to close on this note. Think about it. Have you ever seen any other nation on the earth where the ungodly is treated as though they did not sin? You see? See what I'm saying? Have you ever seen any nation on the earth where the criminal... The sinner is treated like kings, like as though they did not sin. Or let me put it like this. Have you ever seen any other nation where a person's sin is cancelled and they are treated like kings as though they never sinned? You see, if all your narratives and all your inferences and all your conversations are drawn from this earth, then you will never have a good reference point from this earth. Because there is no nation on this earth. That will look at a sinner. And say you have done nothing wrong. I declare you not guilty. But you see the beloved nation. Where we come from. The ungodly is declared justified. The sinner is declared righteous. The ungodly is declared justified. These things are not things that you can experience. Or that you can see in the world around you. That's exactly the reason. Why God said to Abraham. Come out of your country. And that's why God is saying to you today, listen, whatever it takes to be far removed from the, from the prevailing mindset in the environment, you've got to come out of it. Let me tell you, if you notice that everybody in your environment is 
dealing from a scarce mentality, deliberately decide that you're going to go the other way. Let me tell you, your generosity right now is no longer for the benefit of helping the church. God said he will build his church. You can keep your money. Do you understand? But listen to me. If you find out that the environment where you are attached to is filled with hoarders and is filled with keepers and is filled with people who hoard and hoard and sit on their hoardings and keep and keep and keep and no one around you is generous, you better break out of that mindset. Otherwise, you're putting yourself in a box. You're putting yourself in a cage. When scripture says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. This is what he's talking about. You might live in an environment that constantly tries to put you in a box. God is saying, stand fast in the liberty. Jesus has made you free. Don't be entangled again with scarce mentality. Jesus has brought you into abundance. Don't tie yourself with scarcity. Jesus has brought you into plenty. Don't tie yourself to lack. Once you see that your environment is going in the negative direction, make it a duty to always turn the tide. If you find out that everybody around you is getting sick, you've got to decide, I am not from here, I'm from Zion. I'm from the beloved nation. I'm from the beloved nation. I'm from the nation of kings. I'm from the nation that justifies the ungodly. And from the nation where the people are invited to come into rest by their believing. He says, everyone who believes comes into rest. And this is who you are. Glory to God forevermore. Glory to God for, forevermore. Get out of the prevailing culture in your environment. Get out of the prevailing mindset. Get out of the traditions. Get out of the language. Get out of the systems. And come into a place where God looks at the ungodly and calls them righteous. Thank you for engaging with us in this episode. We trust that your life has been beautified. If you'd like to share what Jesus is doing in your life through this ministry, please write to us at hellwatblueprintstories.org. You can visit our website at www.blueprintstories.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Blueprints Church and on Instagram at The Blueprints Church. Cheers.